Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, and welcome back to the Grief Gang podcast with me, your host, Amber Jeffrey. The message behind the Grief Gang is to normalize the topic of conversation that is grief. People living with grief can often feel ashamed, isolated and alone. This podcast was created to break those taboos after I myself experienced all of those feelings after the loss of my mum in 2016. I decided enough was enough and we need to talk about this. You'll hear on this podcast an array of stories and experiences, some being my own and some being fantastic guest episodes and their incredible stories. You'll laugh, you'll cry, but I hope above all, I hope you'll learn. I hope you'll learn that you are not alone in your grief journey, that you have a voice and it should be heard, that you and your grief matter. So without further ado, I'll let you enjoy the episode. Happy listening. Hello, you lovely, lovely listeners. How the devil are you? Welcome to this week's episode of the show. I am really appreciative that you are here. I'm just going to take a moment just to thank you all for being here. Whether you are an old listener or a new listener, it's greatly kind of shit to have you here. I know you shouldn't really be here, but nonetheless, I'm really happy that you've decided to dedicate this hour of your day to listening to my old show. (laughs) Just a little thank you from me. Anyway, it is now two days after Valentine's Day 2022 and this week's episode is all about partner loss. And I think it was very timely and very fitting that we do have another conversation here on the show about partner loss. I have done one episode before, which was many, oh, nearly about two years ago. And I think it's about time that I have more episodes and more stories and more backgrounds on partner loss. So in this episode, you're going to hear two stories from two fantastic women that I have come to know. They are called Jess and Rachel. Now, Rachel, I have known virtually for quite some time, really, virtually, and we speak back and forth. And I was immediately gravitated to her to her Instagram and her loss although partner loss is not an experience of mine there was something about the way Rachel story tells the loss of her partner Joe that just encapsulated me and so I knew I had to have her on the show <laughs> and Jess Jess and I have been talking probably about since midsummer last year and now Jess reached out to me actually before her partner Max passed away so the journey that or our conversations have gone through it's been really interesting and obviously heartbreaking in the same sentence to be hearing Jess's story here in this episode in full although you know a few of our words were displayed through the DMs but um, to hear the story from beginning to end of Max 
in this episode, you're going to hear a real honest display of what it is like to lose a partner and lose a partner young as well. We discuss what it is like to be a young carer and how the change in that dynamic in a relationship and, and, and most importantly, the feelings that come up when that dynamic changes, i.e. some resentment, the feeling of longing to be looked after rather than looking after someone. We speak about sex. We speak about sex. <laughs> and we speak about their love. We speak about their love and it has been a great honour to have shared that space and to have been able to hold that space for both Jess and Rachel to talk about their loves, Joe and Max. So I'm going to get out of your rear now because I've been waffling for three minutes on an intro. That is unheard of. So thank you for being here. Thank you, Jess and Rachel. And you are listening to the Grief Gang podcast. Hello, Grief Gang, and welcome back to a new episode. This is a fantastic guest episode coming to your ears. And it's not just one guest, it is two guests. Um, From the intro, you would have got a little bit more of a flavour for who this is joining us today. But I'm going to do a little quick intro and welcome to you, Jess and Rachel. Ladies, thank you so, so much for joining me and the listeners today. How are you both? Yes, I'm so excited. Thank you for having us and connecting us. Good. Thank you for having us. Oh, I know. And I, I'm loving. Uh, that's one thing as well that I love about when I have two guest episodes, um, or in future guest episodes, is that connection. Hopefully, after. I mean, you might walk. You know, some people might walk around and be like, "Oh my god, never speaking to them again." I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> but hopefully, a beautiful friendship blossoms out of it and a connection. And I think the listeners are really going to enjoy this episode. Um, so, ladies, today, obviously, we there's a reason why you are unfortunately part of the grief gang. Um, anyone who comes on here is never a part of the gang for a light reason or a nice reason. But today we're here to talk about partner loss. Um, and so I invite you both to share with the listeners your stories and who it is that we are here to talk about. And remember today, I'm going to come to Rachel first, please, if you don't mind. Yeah, of course. Today we are talking about my lovely husband, Joe. He passed away about three and a half years ago, which is crazy to think about. And he got sick about five years ago with um, a glioblastoma spinal cancer. It was very aggressive, very early. Um, That's not true. Well, it is true, but it was very aggressive, very early on. And it was just, it's really awful to see your partner go through something so traumatic, but Um, like you said, no one wants to be a part of this gang, but I'm grateful to have such support and people that I can do life with and get to honor his legacy. Thank you, Rachel. And Jess? Um, so I'm talking about my partner, Max. So he actually passed away seven months ago. Um, so not really very long at all. Um, he also had cancer and he had basically a rare, um, soft tissue and bone cancer called like Ewing's sarcoma. Um, Yeah, and I'm here to talk really about both our stories today and sort of talk about what it's like being a young widow, um, that experience of, yeah, caring for my partner at what is, well, what I feel like is such a young age and I guess how my life has now been these past seven months without him. Thank you both. And um, I wanted to touch as well sort of with you, Rachel. Obviously, I've I've been following Rachel for some time and obviously, Jess, we've, we've very recently connected, well, in the last, yeah, very soon since after well you contacted me before Max died hadn't you um and we've been speaking kind of since then um but with yourself Rachel I've been following you and engaging with you for some time and um I will never forget when I first started following you and I went on like a deep dive through your Instagram one night and I think I literally messaged you after it went for a deep deep dive and I went down before Joe had even got sick and seeing the transition through just your feed, I remember, well, for one, I was bawling, but seeing, watching your journey through these snippets of these posts and 
for one, knowing I had to have you as a guest, for one, and just in awe <laughs> of your, of, and it's, you know, they're saying it, but of, of your strength. And with every word, I was just like, I can't fathom, but there's just something so inspiring throughout your words. And paint you paint a real picture of what it's to be to, to be be a young widow and then for you Jess to contact me as well and you wanted to speak about yeah what's being like a carer um because I, I, I think some people may forget that part that you are you are a carer you fall under the carer bracket um and so that leads perfectly into to my next question for you I wanted to speak to you about you know you're both you are young, and I guess you said you know categorized as young. You were young, like <laughs> you're 27, 28, 28. Yes, yeah. so, babe, yeah. you were young. Like don't don't age yourself. Like don't age yourself. <laughs> so I wanted to ask you both, like, what are some of the insights? What it's like to be a young carer? Like I I work professionally as a carer in in a working field, and I've never cared for someone personally to me but so I, I have aspects of it but to look after someone you love um and being a young carer and kind of the changes to your life with that what were some of those things that changed in your life um Jess I'll come to you first yeah I think the biggest thing I mean there's there's never a good time to get cancer mm. right but in your 20s it seems particularly unfair because you're basically just you know you're starting out like Max was in his first Mm. job um when he was diagnosed and it's it just feels like people our age were living such different lives Mm. to us like what they were worrying about was you know things like what they were doing on the weekend like where they you know maybe like relationship issues whereas like me and Max were like what's his you know blood count um is he going to be in hospital because he's neutropenic or you know just like all these things that just felt so different to what other people were going through our age um and I think like being a young carer that was I think one of the most difficult things for me is just having so little people to relate to um yeah because it was just everyone was just having such a different experience and yeah it just felt yeah we were living this very very different life to a lot of lot of our friends and um yeah I think I found that really hard would it be fair to say there was some envy oh yeah definitely (laughs) like we were because Max was in hospital um a lot as well so when he first basically started having so his like story is well from when me and Rachel have spoken is like slightly different um so he basically had a year of treatment um and he was in that was sort of to try and basically there was a chance that he would he would survive he wasn't first diagnosed with a terminal illness um and then he had a year of really strong chemo radiotherapy um and then like major surgery then he had basically there was like a year off mm-hmm. where like essentially he w- was what we hoped going into remission and then it came back about a year later um, and then he was put on, he was given a terminal diagnosis and was given what's called like palliative, palliative chemo, basically. Um, but I know, Rachel, that was basically, you straight away got that terminal diagnosis, didn't you? With yeah, the, it was crazy. So Max, for the sort of the first set of chemos that he went through was like, it was, it was really, really intense chemotherapy. He would be in hospital for, in it's an inpatient, so he'd have his chemo in hospital um basically for like a week at a time and then he'd have uh, a week off where he's basically like recovering and then he'd have what we called like a good week where he would kind of like live like a slightly normal life and we would try and do things and then he'd do that again and again and again that was basically for a year um and I think I think with Max as well he was he was always trying to kind of like carry on living this this normal life and he would see people when basically he was in like a good good place like he he was feeling well and feeling okay and I think that also made matters worse in the sense that people didn't really see all that was happening and that was that was basically like 
I saw all of it as imagine the same with you Rachel you're there for like all of it you're there every day you're you're at all the hospital appointments you're you're there you're there at night like you're taking them in when they become really unwell and I think yeah again back to sort of like the having the separate lives of people our age that also added to that that it felt like there was a lot going on that I I still now don't think that necessarily people realized and when you come to sharing that and like you know with an episode like this your, your friends or family may listen and think oh wow like neither party kind of it's not it's not by anyone's fault but and I suppose that's owed to Max of how he wanted to live his life he wanted to in those bursts of energy and after he wanted to go yeah I want to do the things that I love and enjoy doing with Jess and whoever it may be um but to other people I mean it's strange for people to kind of think that okay just because that is burst of energy doesn't mean that he is dying um and kind of really understanding that his illness is, st- is still very present um and yeah um thank you Jess and Rachel our lives changed so fast we were on vacation for his birthday, his 25th birthday. I was 24 at the time and we were in New York city. We were going there um, just to celebrate, get away from Indy. Like let's have a good time. And on our way, as we were getting ready to go, Joe's knee was really bothering him, but he had played football. He had um, knee surgery before. So we really didn't think anything about it at the time. And then the morning of his birthday, March 18th, 2017, I'll never forget it. He looked at me and he was like, Ray, I can't feel my leg. I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? You can't feel your leg. Like, it just was so bizarre to me. And I was like, hey, well, we have brunch plans. Like, it's your birthday. Get up. Let's go. And he was like, no, seriously, like, I can't feel my leg. And so naturally, I called my mom and I was like, mom, I don't know what's going on. Joe can't feel his leg. She's like, you need to go to the hospital right away. And I was like, okay, well, it's still his birthday. So we went to brunch first. I'm not going to lie. And then we went to the hospital. <laughs> we had a friend with us. Mimosas at 12, ER at 1. Literally, that's how it happened. And I, I wouldn't trade a thing. And at first, Joe was really annoyed. Yeah. Um, yeah. But looking back, he was glad. That was our last normal day. But all that to say, things yeah. changed really, really fast. Um, we went from walking around New York. And then the day of his birthday, he was basically paralyzed from the waist down. Like things changed drastically within a number of days. And so... So did our lives. Like Joe played football in college. He was like six three, so this big guy. Um, and I never really had to worry about anything. Like he took care of everything from finances to cleaning. Like I lived a very sweet life. Um, and then when he got sick, everything changed. And I remember just like crawling into his hospital bed and just like sobbing. And he was comforting me, even though he was the one with the cancer diagnosis. So our roles changed a lot. And I did become this caregiver at the age of, I was 24 at the time. And it was, it was really hard. Like just like you said, your friends are just living completely different lives. And there was an element of envy for sure. I remember having to um, disengage from social media for like 10 months. Like I had to just, everyone was getting married. Everyone was having babies and I'm like doing nighttime rotations in the middle of the night, making sure because he's paralyzed, making sure my husband is turning, he's not getting bed turns or he's not getting bed sores, excuse me. So it was, it was exhausting. Like I, I look back and I don't know how I did it. Jess, I'm sure you're the same way. Like, how did we even do that? Cause there were weeks where we would go like days without sleeping, just trying to like yeah. keep him comfortable in the middle of the night and everything like that. So life changed quickly and very aggressively from being this like, genuinely a carefree 24 year old in New York city to a caregiver for someone who was dying. And when you look back on that time, do you feel, what was your support networks like, like in, in your, in your friends and your family, obviously, um, and I guess you kind of, you know, you said there's nobody in your, in your circle who kind of has and is going through something like this. And maybe for yourself, Rachel, you identify with that too. What was your outlets? Where were you turning to Jess? Um, yeah, I mean, it's like pretty bang on about, it's just, it's just a rare situation, isn't it? So you don't, you don't, you know, go to the pub and tend to find people that you could talk yeah. to about this sort of thing, because it's just not that common, because we were so young. Um, and I mean, I'm very close to Max's sister. She, she's, was, and is incredible. Um, and I think like your friends, they do try and your family, they do try, but it's just, 
it's like it's so difficult for them to really understand what's going on I think and then when I found out that Max basically had a terminal diagnosis I remember thinking to myself I need to talk to someone who's been through this like before that when he was there was a chance that he would survive um the first sort of session of the treatment I felt like at that stage it was like you know you'd keep going because there was the the end to it and after the terminal diagnosis I was I basically I spoke to his specialist nurse and I was like can you please put me in contact with um like anyone that's been through this that you know of and she was like yeah I think I've got like the perfect person for you to talk to and um basically that's when I started my my hunt for other <laughs> other widows and other basically people that had just experienced this and I um I met her in a cafe in Bristol and I remember like going away from it after having just basically we talked we talked about she had she lost her partner about a year before to um the same cancer that Max had um and then obviously that's how I met her through the through the nurses and I just remember coming away from it and being like that's literally the best therapy I've ever had mm-hmm. <laughs> and she was like she was incredible and it was it was really scary because it was I was like looking at her and I was like this is this is what's coming for me this is you know I I knew that he was that he was dying and um but it was amazing and it was like it was just this this connection to her that I basically just just pure understanding and and basically after that happened I then sort of started looking um I guess like mostly on like social media and like I've never been that into social media but actually that is where I found other widows and other people that have lost their lost their uh, partners to cancer and um because they're like it's would yeah you've got to find them because you've got to, yeah, hunt. You have to hunt and yeah. um and I know that like you know various people like Olivia as yeah. well um and she actually put me in contact with so I, I found an article that Olivia wrote so she also lost her partner um Cam and she writes these amazing articles yeah. which I imagine you yes. both read I and um Olivia. <laughs> I know. and I was reading one of his articles I sent her a message being like you know this I just basically telling you how great I thought it was and she said oh, I've actually got a friend who lives really close to you whose partner's just passed away about six months ago called Grace and um and I basically we got in touch and I called her and we spoke on the phone and then we basically just started meeting up and she's become like yeah like such a close friend to me and I feel like we offer each other something that you just can't get from other people and it's yeah I think that to me has been I guess like the most important takeaway from this and it's just so yeah so important to speak to other people that have experienced it and and I hope maybe one day like I mean obviously I don't hope this happens to anyone but like maybe one day you know like someone will come to me and be like my you know with a partner with a terminal diagnosis and and I could sort of offer something that these women have offered to me. Rachel, who was who was there for you and who is there for you? Yeah, um, so Joe wasn't very close with his family. He was raised by his grandparents. So yeah, yeah. when we got married or even when we were dating, my family like took him in as their own. Like they were, he was their son, he was their brother, like everything. And so when he got sick, like I mentioned, we were in New York on vacation. It just was like, it's very overwhelming. Not only are you getting a cancer diagnosis, but you're also miles and miles away from home. And it's just you two. And so again, keep in mind, I'm 24 years old. I'm scared. I don't even know how insurance works. Honestly, I'm like, do I have insurance? I don't know. Um, And then there was one day we were just sitting in the hospital room and I hear a knock at the door, which isn't isn't uncommon. I'm thinking it's probably another nurse or something like that coming in. And my dad walked in and it was like, I can't even explain. I instantly just like fell and started crying because I felt so alone. I felt like I was doing everything on my own. And I knew that they, I have an amazing family. I'm super close with them. And I knew that they would come and support when they could, but to see him pop up in New York was everything to me. Cause I didn't know when we were going home. So he stayed, he left and he came back because we were there for like four to six weeks um, so my family has been incredible. My mom, my sisters, um, and then friends also. I am I'm very thankful. Jesse and I were talking about this before that 
the world keeps spinning. Like you have lost your partner and they are grieving with you to a certain extent, but they still get to go on with their lives. And I think that's, what's really hard is I know everyone misses Joe and I know that they grieve and, and miss him just as much as I do, but he also wasn't their like life partner, you know? So it's just different. And so being able to connect with other widows on the internet, it is a hunt, but we're out there. Other young widows are out there. Um, and I've met several that have become these lifelong friends and lifelong support systems. So the internet, although it can be not always great at times, it's a beautiful place to connect with people. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm an ode to that. I'm an ode to that. Um, leading into a very taboo subject which as I said earlier has been something that's been brought up in my dms by other widows and people who've lost partners either hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Gender. Um and it's sex, ladies. And it's sex. The big S. <laughs> Let's talk about sex, baby. Let's get into it. <laughs> Let's get into it. Right. And I'll give some context to it as well. So I'll see Jess, when me and you first started speaking, you sent me this fantastic article by Anjali Pinto. And it's sort of, yeah, like an it's like an essay really or like it's like diary (laughs) entries and I just and it's a lengthy read I think you said to me like it's a lengthy read but it's worth it and I sat and I read it all and she speaks on how she lost her partner and then afterwards she very much tapped into the I miss the sexual relations uh, the sexual part of my my relationship I want to have sex and so this whole article is an ode to her going out and having sex and her kind of um compartmentalizing like the men and kind of like comparing them to her partner and just it's a fantastic article but then obviously she received backlash and and prejudice from her friends and family like what the fuck are you doing why are you going out your, your husband's just died and she's just going through all the layers of that so I suppose really like like I said earlier I'm not going to ask you to deep dive into into like I said the dick diaries and uh, relay your whole sexual relations if there has been but I know Jess it was something that you wanted to discuss about as well today and kind of you know yes your partner has died but that doesn't mean your libido hasn't so like let's talk about, yeah, yeah go for it first well yeah because this is something that <clears throat> I was like, oh, should I should I talk about it? Because I know there's going to be a lot of people that are going to be listening to this. But, you yeah. know, oh, well, let's exactly. go for it. And I think, like, for me, it I I guess it's like a lot of things that surprise you in grief. People always say that. Um, but something that isn't spoken about, as you're saying, is like how grief affects your libido. Mm-hmm. And if you do hear about it, you imagine a lot of people saying, you know, especially when it's to do with their partners, that like the idea of having sex with someone else was just like awful yeah. and they could never imagine doing it. That's like you, you hear that and everyone's kind of like, mm, OK, I can understand that. And then I guess for me, it was just the complete opposite, whereas like, you know, I was like now I'm just I was just like I just wanted to have sex basically and it's like where do you what do you do with that when the person that you would be having sex with just isn't there anymore and I think there's this yeah it's like it's not spoken about it's maybe spoken about how your libido drops but it doesn't no one talks about how you know what happens if it increases and also if you yeah if you've lost your partner basically and I so I started sort of like looking into it and then that's when I came across this article and I was like oh that's so amazing that she's 
Well, yeah, that she's like written about that. And and I think as women as well, you're and as a widow, people expect you to act a certain way. And and just, yeah, she was just it was like upsetting to read that she did get, you know, she was getting trolled. And even his her partner's friends were saying like, you know, I can't believe that you're thinking about Mm -hmm. this now. So I guess like I kind of just wanted to say that today in because you were saying that you get a lot of people mm. messaging you about it. And I was thinking, you know, there must be other people that are thinking like yeah. this and basically just aren't saying it. Yeah. So I thought I'd just say yeah. it. <laughs> and it's kind of like there's no, we're not sitting here and giving us solutions, you know, do whatever makes you happy. But in terms of just us even talking about it and saying like, yeah, like absolutely. You're so right when people say, yes, when someone dies and especially your partner, like your libido, it might go down and the thought of it, you, you may never want to ever again. But yeah, where is the other half saying, no, yeah, like I want to fuck. Like, it's just... <laughs> like how it's almost like how is that shocking like how is that shocking to people you've had a partner where you've had sexual sex as a part of your relationship for how many years you've been together they die and you're not having sex with them and you miss having sex with them and so what why is that shocking for people to hear it's it's but again another taboo taboo in grief um Rachel what's your take on it and kind of um your thoughts and feelings. Yeah, it's interesting. Part of my brand is just this quick little line, owning your grief. And I think that whatever that looks like is if you want to have sex, have sex. If you don't see yourself having sex with anyone else for the rest of your life, don't, you know? So I think it's one of those things where you have to do what's right for you. For me personally, I I missed companionship. I really did. You go from like having this um, amazing life to being a caregiver to someone, which is also, I won't say it's amazing, but any time spent with Joe was just like, you know, super sweet. But at the same time, like everything changes so fast. So when he passed away, I did miss companionship. I did miss intimacy. And so I was hanging out with guys and going on dates. It wasn't anything like serious, but just to be seen as something other than a widow was really important to me. Yes. And that kind of taps back into you saying like, like, Joe looked after you, you were looked after by Joe. And there's nothing wrong with wanting that feeling of being looked after again, especially after being someone's caregiver, like, go from being looked after. I always like, I just want to be taken care of. Like I have done so much in my life. Like, call me what you want. I want to be taken care of. Yeah, yeah. So you don't have don't want to have to always be resilient and and strong and and having it all together, having your shit together. Like, yeah, sometimes I do just want to be looked after. And absolutely, from when you've gone from a caregiver, where your whole existence has been to given to someone else, and of course, you know. But even with you know, I, I was about to say, and that's without malice or you know anything. But there is, and that's that's, that's an honest truth that some people have said to me as well. Like, some people are some widows are resentful that kind of some a large chunk of their life however long they were looking after them big or small was given to this person and kind of those lost quote-unquote lost years to them and that's a whole nother conversation mm. of people you say that out loud people might go what the fuck do you mean like how how on earth could you say you're resentful for being there and looking after your partner or whoever it may be you got to be there but it's like i have my life too um so there's all that there's something that you said earlier Rachel as well that I like completely understand about when you were saying about people like around you getting married and sort of and having children and that is something that is just was so difficult when having a partner who had a terminal illness because it's like you're you know that there is only so far that that relationship can go like me and Max um also got married um actually when he was we had we had a plan to have a wedding but he didn't live long enough sadly for it so we got married in the hospice but it was like that was as far as it could ever go for us and it was and you'd see you know people getting married but then you know that that was their future and also having children and I think it's it's so difficult isn't it because you want them to live for as long as possible don't we of course you do like you think oh you, you know you want them to keep going but they also know that they can't give you a future and that I always remember yeah that has definitely been really hard Ugh, I'm like an emotional mess over here I didn't know, know that I know yeah I, that's, that's <laughs> me. I, 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 yeah yeah because you, 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 you don't you ladies you, you not just for it's the future future and everything that would have been and you're 
you're thrown back to the drawing board again, aren't you? You're thrown back to the drawing board of what does what does my future look like? You that this person was in every in every image you had of what your future looked like, whether they were full front and center or just in the back, like they were there. Regardless, there was no question of um, if they would have been or not, and you've just been thrown back to the drawing board of like, right, okay, let's uh, let's do this. Um, I want to speak about Max and Joe more, and not just how they died, how they lived. Oh God, I'm getting emotional now. Oh my God, why is that just made me get emotional? <laughs> um, I want to know what's something and just take your time to speak about them and what's something that your partners and their love and their life have taught you and that takes you through this whirlwind journey in life now um Rachel it's funny because I think about me and Joe's love and we were together for six almost seven years and he was sick for a year and a half of those we have so many good memories and like time together But what I always come back to is when he was sick. So I'm going to tell a story from there. But I had had a really tough day at work, like really, really tough. Um, It was when he was sick, obviously. And I had just a group of girls I worked with that were just so mean to me, like for no reason. Um, And I came home and I think he kind of knew that I had a bad day. And he had in his wheelchair cleaned the entire house. Like he could do everything except getting the like the broom with the dustpan, like he needed help with that. And I was, he was like, I'm sorry, I tried to get everything. And I was like, why are you apologizing? Like that was like, I just was blown away by that, that he, even when he like couldn't walk, could barely feel his hands was like trying to do everything he could for me. Um, And I think that is a good testament to just how he lived his life. His tombstone literally says, everybody loves Joe because everyone did. Everyone does our nurses and the hospitals would fight over who got to take care of him. He just was a delight to everyone. Um, So I miss that. I miss that magic of just the way that he would walk into a room and light everyone up. He had an amazing smile, an amazing personality, everything. Like everybody loves Joe. It's great. And I, I, I get that with, like I said, Rachel, when I went through your Instagram and, and I can see that when you that smile and um your wedding photos just the love that just poured through it I just thought oh what a guy oh I, <laughs> I'm not, I shouldn't be crying now um because <laughs> yeah what, what a love to be loved and, and loved hey um Jess <laughs> um well, yeah, like it, I was, I was thinking this as well. I think it's so, it is like you said, it's so important to talk about them and not just talk about, yeah, like them being ill, isn't it? Because they're, they, you know, there's so much more than that. And yeah, so me and well, me and Max met um, where we met at uni when we were both like 19 years old, and basically we were like we instantly friends. We we got on very well. I remember the first night we met each other, we ended up like staying out really late um basically like in our in our halls and like got quite drunk and and he used to try and deny this but I you know I this definitely happened and basically he tried to kiss me on the first night that we met (laughs) which he still we would always try and deny but um anyway and um and he we stayed friends for like a long time before we actually ended up getting to well becoming like partners and I think that also was part of the reason why I guess it, like our relationship worked so well when he became so ill because we had this foundation of friendship um because like they don't you want them to you know remain your partner but like you're saying it's it's you know that it, it does change a dynamic changes and um yeah max was he was very loud he's very clever he is handsome and he did have red hair but the chemo changed that and he was athletic and like so fun everyone he had a lot of friends like so many friends and just so loved and yeah he was my well he was my best friend and my boyfriend and um yes I just start crying now I was like oh I wonder if I could get through this without crying but it's probably quite good but um I think like him 
he never complained as well. Like we through all his treatment so he was he was very caring as well because he was a mental health nurse and then like you're saying like you're saying about joe like the nurses loved him like he never complained and i always remember watching him sort of like sit in hospital and just sort of taking so much and uh, yeah he was he was amazing and um i'm trying to think of like what i've taken away from our relationship you just you i guess i've learned to appreciate the little things definitely and I think it filters my friend Grace said this to me she's like it filters all the shit it really does and I really hope that I don't get those like that feeling back of not appreciating just you know life really and like appreciating small things and I think I learned that from Max and yeah beautiful yeah I'm I'm with you there. It's and sometimes in the madness of life, isn't it? We can all get caught up and think, and especially in the world of social media, it can really try and put a magnifying glass on kind of what is important in life. These are the things you should be caring about, and this is what's really important. And you think, you know what? I had the most important person die in my life, and what did they teach me and how did they teach me and what really matters to me and it's a really horrible lesson to have learned kind of the truth of life in that way but um I'm with you and I hope that I never stop that appreciation as well when when life will get a little bit too much to really get to the crux of it of you know there's some real shit things in life that have happened but um there's some really beautiful things that have and more even more beautiful things to come hey um to wrap up my second to last question for you I want to ask you both if you could go back to the moment when Max and Joe both died and you were to look you almost like the parallel worlds there's you now and you're looking at that freshly bereaved you what would advice and how would you how what would you tell to that freshly bereaved you so the woman that I was talking about the first widow that I met gave me sort of like after we after we just had this coffee together and she said to me um it's going to be awful and it's probably going to be the hardest thing that you will ever ever do but you will you will be okay and in the future you will learn to live and to love again and that's what I still tell myself that sometimes amazing (laughs) That's your affirmation. Love that. Rachel? Mine would be something I still tell myself um, that you only have to get through today. I remember like holding Joe's hand as he was passing and just thinking like, how am I going to do this for the rest of my life? Like without him, like it was very overwhelming. And even thinking about it now can send me into like a deep, deep spiral. Cause it's, it's just not something that I want to think about. Um, but what I've learned is that all I have to do is get through today, this moment, and yes, tomorrow I'll have to do it all over again. But if I can survive this moment, then I can survive anything. So I think I would go back and tell young Rachel that, that yes, it's overwhelming, but you just have to get through today, just the step right in front of you and to take it a little bit at a time. my last thing for you ladies this is something new that I've brought to the podcast and it's for the future guests I am going to ask you both to leave a question each for the next guest so I know I know I I curveballed you there I didn't you didn't prep for that one (laughs) (laughs) absolutely anything um absolutely anything I, once and once you've given yours, I'm going to give you the one the question from my previous guest. So you give me your question first, and then I will give you hers. And I think it's a fucking corker. I think my question would be like, when did you start to let healing in? Because I think for a while, for me, it you feel guilty for healing a little bit. Like you could move on or not move on, but you start to move forward with your life and with your grief. And I felt guilty about that. Like I'm not crying as much as I used to. Is is everything okay? Just, we talked about Mm -hmm. that too. That's like, you start to, I don't know, things, you learn to carry grief 
in a way that you didn't when you first lost your person. And so I'd be curious, like, what was the moment for them that they started to let healing back in? I think I think people like comedy talk about, I guess, like obviously all the things that you loved about the person that you lost as well. But you forget that there's still people, right? And they used to do things that really annoyed you. Like Max used to do things that pissed me off all the time. (laughs) So I guess the question would be, what is it that I guess you miss about them, but not necessarily a good thing that they used to do, but an annoying thing that they used to do? Yeah, that is true. And I love that. And that's so, that's so true, Jess. You know, we can, when somebody dies, we can very much, you know, we put them on a pedestal and they become this icon. And it's weird. It's almost, it's almost a bit, um, it's just, you get the blinkers on and you do forget their flaws. That's something that used to drive you up the wall. And I, I'm up for it. I start to think by my, I think, oh my God, there was some fucking things she used to really piss me off about. Um, but just she died and I completely forgot about it. And then it's only when sometimes if I might see it in somebody else or I think, oh my God, my mum used to do that. It used to really piss me off. And you go back and you think, yeah, actually they weren't all perfect. So that's a really great question. Yeah, what, what are some of the things oh, you thanks. miss, but something that was really annoying, irritating? The previous guest question for you came from Dr. Catherine Mannix. She is a doctor and, well, yeah, still holds doctor title but she's now an author and she's written two fantastic books one called with the end in mind and her most recent one is called listen and it's all about are we really listening in the daily conversations that we're having and so her question for you guys was when was the last time you both felt really listened to It's funny because we talk about this a lot in therapy and it's like this idea of authentic communication and we can't really be heard unless we're authentically communicating what we want to be heard on. And now I'm thinking like, have I been communicating authentically (laughs) to people to answer this question? I don't know. So mine might be a bit obvious, but it's, I feel like it's pretty relevant. So I was, so I basically started this week, I had an assessment with a psychotherapist that was um, it's basically via the hospice that Max was in and it's it's um, you can go a long time I think without sort of reliving the story um, like Max's story my story um, and I basically so she was sort of like getting to know me and I basically just like retold what exactly what had happened to Max and you do yeah you because it was you know it's been years now um like you're saying Rachel you think it's like a good opportunity to sort of like talk about it all again and it's not like you forget it you you know you never you're never going to forget it but I think it was like it was really good to just you know have it all out again and, and talk about it all all of it and I guess I know it was her job to listen to me but she was definitely listening to me so I felt very listened to by her that's great I want to steal that answer too. I don't know, guys. (laughs) But now that you said that, I think it would be, I feel like I won't say the only person in my life that I'm 100% honest with is my therapist because that's not true. But I think there's a level of being able to just like let everything down and know that even if she is judging me, like she can't say it to my face. So it's like, I can say whatever I need to say and also get like, tangible feedback or steps or things that I need to be able to like improve whichever area of my life that it is. So I think I would echo that. Sorry to check on to yours, but I think therapy is where I feel very heard. I mean, I'm glad to hear they're both doing their jobs right. (laughs) Because <laughs> there's some horror stories of people in the therapy room and they're like, no, I don't feel well. I'm, well, I'm glad to hear you've got good endings with your therapists. <laughs> Well, ladies, thank you so much for your time today. Grief Gang, thank you for listening in. Um, and ladies, where can the people find you if you want them to find you? <laughs> Rachel. Yeah, so I'm Rachel Simone Gilliam on pretty much everything. TikTok, Instagram, Pinterest, Twitter. So come find me. I also have like a daily encouragement that I send out. And sometimes it's about grief. So you can text, oh, wait, this is for US only. Oh, no. Well, no, I've got I've got US listeners. Okay. I've got yeah, US you're a global girl. But if you live in the United States, you can text Daily Ray D A I L Y R A E one word to two two nine 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 and get a little love note from me every morning. 
love that love that and Jess you've been able to find you yeah so yeah definitely like I was saying I think it's just yeah so important to make yeah to build that community um so I'd absolutely be happy for anyone to find me but I mostly would be on Instagram um and I think my name's just Jess Herrick on there fantastic grief gang thank you so much take care bye well that's it for this week's episode i hope you all enjoyed it and it set your week off to a great start whether you've laughed a little cried a little i mean i think crying is good for the soul or you've resonated with something that was said thank you for listening and spending time out of your day to do so if you like what you hear please do rate review and subscribe In doing so, you're ensuring that lots more people get to find the Grief Gang podcast and hopefully help them too. If you're not already, check out the Grief Gang on social media platforms such as Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. I'm most active on the Instagram page where I love, love, love to connect with you all. For now, take care and big, big love. Hey folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this Allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.